the week after I became a Christian, the week after Jesus of Nazareth, the Jewish bridegroom king, entered my life, uh, my wife and I were part of a business uh, endeavor. And uh, one of the guys that we would run into pretty regularly involved in this business was a guy named Tom. Tom was just a fun guy, just just a great guy, Very just enjoyed being around him. He was always very uh, boisterous and outgoing and always had kind of a joke for you or something like that. And so we, we uh, my wife and I got into this meeting a little bit early and shortly uh, Tom approached us in his usual, very sort of assertive sort of way. And he, he slapped me on the back. He said, hey, I heard you became a Christian. I didn't know people said stuff like that out loud in front of others. <laughs> it was like, I was a little embarrassed. Like, uh, And so I, I wasn't meaning anything by it, but I turned to him and I, because I was really kind of surprised. And I said, wait, Tom, are you a Christian? I had no idea what I just asked him. Tom told me later, he says, man, you cut me right down the middle when you said that. Why didn't you know I was a follower of Jesus? See, that was one of the things about Russell. He was different. There was something different about him. So when he brought up the subject, I felt like he knew what he was talking about. Tom was calm. He was like other people. You know, there wasn't a difference. But Tom's life changed that day, and he began to take Jesus seriously. He wanted people to know, I am a follower of Jesus. He didn't want that to be a shock or a surprise like it was to me that day. Well, at any rate, uh, some few weeks went by, and my wife, who had grown up in a uh, Baptist church, she, uh, in fact, she had perfect Sunday school attendance awards for like 19 years in a row. And... Um, she started saying, you know, we really need to attend a church. So we had some neighbors down the hall from us. Uh, they were leaving one Sunday morning. They said, hey, why don't you come to church with us? And um, so we started visiting Westbury Baptist Church in Southwest Houston. After a few weeks of going to the church service, my wife said, you know, we really need to start going to Sunday school. I said, well, what's Sunday school? She said, well, that's where you actually spend time uh, studying the Bible. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that sounds interesting. So we started attending the young adults class. This, this was a pretty sizable church. Now, this is back then. This is not like the mega churches today. So a church of 1,500, for example, that was pretty large back then. So uh, we were in that group of the young adults Sunday school class. And that's where I met my who, a couple, a husband and wife couple that would become my spiritual parents. Uh, they, were, they were one of the teachers that we got assigned to. In fact, they discipled me for probably about 20 years of my relationship with Jesus. So uh, some more weeks go by, and <clears throat> at the end of a Baptist church service, if you've never been to one, the uh, the pastor will usually ask two questions at the end. You know, if you want to become a Christian, you know, come down front and we'll pray with you about it. Or the other question will be, if you want to join the church, come down front. So when he made that invitation, my wife leaned over and she said, hey, let, let's join the church. I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. I said, honey, look at this place. I mean, look at that giant organ built into the wall. I mean, the dues must be very expensive. She said, the what? I said, the dues. You, you know, you got to pay dues. 
She said, no, there's no dues here. I said, oh, come on. Look at this place. Look how expensive it is. She said, what are you talking about? I said, well, in the synagogue, you know, my dad paid dues. And because he paid a pretty good amount, we got to sit up front on the, on the, on the big holidays. We got to be close. So that's kind of that's got to be true here. She said, "No, it's it's free." <laughs> it's a good Jewish joke, isn't it? But it's true. I actually was wondering what the dues were, and when she said, "No, it's free," I said, "Okay, let's join." <laughs> well, at any rate, uh, August finally came around, and one of the Sunday school leaders approached me. And uh, he said, Gary, there's a build glass prison crusade that's coming to this part of Texas. And, uh, you know, it thought maybe you might want to join it. And, you know, there's several of us from, from this church that is going. I said, well, what is that? He says, well, that's where we're going to go into the prison and tell people about, about Jesus. I, well, I, I've never done that before. He said, well, that's okay. There's going to be a, like a training thing on Thursday evening. And then we'll go in Friday and Saturday and part day Sunday. So I, I said, okay. And so uh, I did. And it was a very interesting uh, experience those few days. When we got to the Sunday afternoon, it was over and we were getting ready to leave. The prison chaplain came to us, and not just us, there were other churches represented, other groups were involved as well. And he asked, Would any of these groups, any of you guys want to teach a follow up new believers uh, Bible class? And our leader spoke up right away and said, uh, We will. So he said, okay, great. So we met outside, uh, kind of huddled up. And uh, this was the, the leader guy was a big lawyer here in the Houston area, uh, very well known and very well spoken, all that kind of thing. And he said, uh, okay, let's, instead of me doing all the talking, why don't we divide this up? I'll take the first part and point to one of the other guys. You take this part. And then, Gary, you take this part. And then, you know, he just divided up. The, from the booklet that we were going to be using, these different sections. So I said, well, what am I supposed to do? He said, well, just go home and study that those parts and look up the scriptures and be prepared to talk about them. I said, oh, okay. So I went home and I started doing that. And I realized, you know, I, I really need to do the whole thing because I don't want to just look at my little section. I want to know what comes before it and I want to know what comes after it. So I studied the whole lesson and looked up all the verses and I made some notes and that kind of thing. So when we got to the, the the prison again, and they made an announcement for those that were interested, and uh, the it was going to be held in the prison cafeteria, and so it was pretty full. There was a lot of prisoners that showed up. I guess there wasn't a lot on TV that night. I don't know, but it was pretty full. And um, so our leader guy started, and as he started talking, it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that it was going nowhere. I mean, it was like his words were dropping off his chin onto the floor. I mean, some of the prisoners start looking up at the clock. They start kind of looking at each other. Wasn't going well. When he finished his part, he uh, he turned to the second guy and said, okay, it's, you, you know, your turn, take it. And he kind of rolled his eyes at him, like almost as if to say, good luck. So the guy started doing his part. And it was the same thing. It just was going nowhere. It just there's, I mean, he was saying nice things, but... There just didn't seem to be anything on it for some reason. So he turned to me when he finished, and he t he actually said, "Oh, good luck, you know. Hope you hope something happens." And so I, I stepped up and I began to speak, and something happened. See, I didn't realize this till later. See, this was real for me. 
these guys have been doing this stuff or talking about it like it was every day. For me, this was new. This was real. And as I spoke, it came across that way. And the prisoners' attitudes began to change. They started asking questions. They started like, amen, yeah. They, they were leaning on their, you know, leaning forward. They were listening. They were engaged. So when I finished and turned to the next guy, he said, Gary, keep going, keep going. So I taught the rest of the lesson. When we got outside afterwards, the leader guy said, okay, Gary, you have the anointing, so you're going to teach each week. I said, I have the what? He says, you, you, you have the Holy Spirit empowering you to teach. I said, oh, I do? What? He said, yeah. So every week I uh, I prepared and I taught the lesson. When we finished that, uh, I think it was six weeks maybe, uh, the chaplain came and said, boy, we're getting good responses from the prisoners. Can you guys do some more? And some of the guys couldn't. They had other things to do, including our leader. But some of us said, yeah, well, we can keep coming. And for about six months, every Tuesday night, we'd show up and I would do some teaching. And it was in that environment that I began to learn that there's something the Lord was doing in my life concerning teaching. That was in August. Of course, again, it went for several months. But when Christmas came of 1980, you know, I'd been around some Christmas songs. I'd heard some in movies, Silent Night, you know, stuff like that. But I didn't really know the words. And so uh, we had a Christmas Eve service, and uh, they start singing, and I don't know the words. Uh, again, it's a Baptist church, so this is way before words were projected up on the wall for you to see, or a screen of some kind. So I turned to my wife. I said, I don't know these words. So she reached for the Baptist hymnal in the uh, pew in front of us. She knew right where to open it up to and handed it to me, and there, there were the Christmas songs. And so as, as I'm singing and reading the words, I started to get emotional. And Tom was sitting next to me. He said, Gary, are, are you okay? I said, Tom, look at these words. <laughs> See, to me, again, they had meaning. This wasn't just some old Christmas song we've sung a thousand times. This was real to me. Sometime in February of 1981, I was having lunch uh, with an older, more mature Christian man. And as we were talking, uh, for some reason, I brought up the subject of my music. I love music. And uh, I had a big collection, uh, probably 75 albums, a lot of them first editions, you know, pristine condition. I kept them in perfect condition. Had a really expensive turntable. And, um, and I, I had a big stack of 45s for some of you that don't remember what those are. And uh, I was telling him, I said, you know, when I listen to my music, it's like it's, it doesn't do anything for me like it used to. He said, well, you know, Gary, I, I think that may be the Lord. I said, what, what would Jesus care about what music I'm listening to? He says, well, he cares very much. So what do you mean? He says, well, who do you think invented music? And I think, uh, the Beatles? No, no. Elvis? No, no, no. Mozart? I don't know. Beethoven? Who? I don't know who invented music. <laughs> he said, Jesus did. In fact, there's a passage in Zephaniah where he sings over his people. He says, music is a very profound thing. 
And you should be careful about what you listen to. I was to learn a lot more about it, and I will talk about that later. But that really got to me that day. And I went home, and I did a radical thing, even before I knew about Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says that it's radical people who lay hold of the kingdom. I got all my albums. I tore up the album covers. I broke the albums. I broke the 45s in half, put it all in trash trash bags, and put them outside in the dumpster. And I said, Lord, I don't want anything to come between you and I. And if it's something as simple as this, I'm willing to do it. Again, I didn't realize at that time how something like that could have such a significant impact on one's relationship with Jesus. Something happened in May of 1981 at the beginning of a little bit, actually right at the end of April. I went to my pastor about it. And he said, uh, Gary, do you think the Lord may be calling you into the ministry? I said, no, of course not. And part of what I was thinking was, not that I knew much about being a pastor, of course, but I did. by that time I'd figured out that if you're a pastor of a small little church, you practically starved to death. And so not that I was motivated by money, but I do need money. And I, I, I thought the ministry was just going to be you know, like starving to death. So he said, well, Gary, look at all the things that the Lord seems to be doing with you. I really think you should take this seriously and think about it. In fact, I'd like for you to pray about it for an entire month. So at the end of May, you, after you and your wife pray every morning and every night, come tell me what you think the Lord is saying. So I went home, and that's what my wife and I did. And a few days before the end of the month, one morning we were having breakfast, and I was reading from 1 Peter, this passage. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit the Holy Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even a meddler, a gossiper. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. That passage got to me that morning. And I said to my wife, I said, I think the Lord wants me to do this. She said, yeah, I think so too. So I met with my pastor and I told him what had happened. He said, okay, well, let's just check it out further. Why don't you go over to uh, Houston Baptist University and um, sign up to go to, you know, to take classes there? I said, whoa, whoa, wait, pastor. I barely got out of high school. I mean, barely. I, I, I was at the bottom of the bottom fourth of my graduating class. I, I, education, I, I can't do that. He said, Gary, you got to learn some things. You got to get some education. So just go over there and see what happens. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I don't want to do this. 
I really didn't want to do the ministry. Now I got to go to college. So I went over and sat with an admissions person, and they helped me fill out an application. And when the when we finished, um, she said, "Well, it's going to take a while because, of course, we have to get your transcript, your high school transcript, and then the committee has to meet." And she had kind of a list of things that had to happen. She said, "It, it, it probably won't be all put together until." Maybe the fall semester. This is sometime in July. So, well, um, okay, no big deal. And as I was leaving, I said, by the way, what does this cost? She said, oh, it's about $100 per hour. I said, one class is uh, almost $100? She said, oh, no, one class is three hours. $300 for a class? This is 1981. I, I, as I left, I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to do this. No way. I'm not doing this. No. The answer is no. I'm not getting my family in debt. So I go home, and a few days later, the phone rings, and it's the lady from HBU. She says, okay, Mr. Kuntz, uh, got all your stuff in. The committee met, and you start Monday. I said, "What? excuse me, what? She said, yeah, you start Monday. Everything's squared away. Here are the first two classes you're going to be taking, your 8 o'clock class. Be sure you're on time. I said, wait, 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 How how's this being paid for? She said, well, there was money in your account. I have an account? She said, yeah. I said, well, I didn't open an account. She said, well, someone did, and there's money in it, exactly what you need for these two classes, plus there's money in the bookstore for the books. I have to read a book? Books, she said. <laughs> I got off the phone. I was stunned. What is this? You know, every time I went to register for my classes, there was always exactly the amount of money I needed for the classes and for the books. I never paid a, a dime, nothing. I never applied for a loan or anything. There was always money in there. I'm sure someone did it, but to this day, I have no idea who they are. When I graduated three years later, because the Lord taught me how to learn, that's the first thing I had to learn was how to learn. So I did college in three years, graduated with just barely under a 3.5 because I made a D in algebra. <laughs> I'm really bad at math. And um, the university would give out a full scholarship to the seminary to one Christianity major. And that year they gave it to me. So now seminary was paid for. One of the themes of my life, even to this day, is things that came to me that I wasn't seeking. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I wasn't looking to be in the ministry. I sure as heck didn't want to go to college. And there's more to still come. Things that came to me that I didn't even seek.